All right, well, it seems like it's been a little while since I've stood up here and preached before. Yeah, it's been, what, four weeks? It's kind of crazy. Uh, thanks for letting me have a little time off to uh, R&R and then some time just really to focus on planning and preparing for this year and the year to come. I actually got summer sermon series kind of mapped out. And uh, an even better thing is I've got our current sermon series figured out, which is good. You know, it's kind of scary when you got one week left and you got to figure it all out. But uh, I believe God is... Um, pleased with what we're going to do, and I think he's going to speak uh, through us in the next sermon series. The sermon series is titled, Questions Jesus Asks. And, you know, when you, you, you look in the New Testament and the Gospels, you see a lot of people asking Jesus questions. Sometimes he just responds to their question with a question. <laughs> uh, Jesus asks a lot of really good questions. We're going to, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at 14 of them. And today, we are addressing the question where Jesus says, why do you call me good? See, there's a number of different ways in which we can look at goodness. It has a number of different aspects. In the one sense, there's a utilitarian aspect to goodness. Uh, there, like, it allows us to say things like, that's a good shovel, or that's a good computer. There is often a utilitarian sense to goodness. But there's also a moral aspect to goodness. Moral goodness concerns rightness of attitude and, and actions. It assumes that there's a standard above by which all people desire to uh, ad adhere to. It allows us to say things like, oh, Betty, Betty, she's a good person, right? That's the moral aspect of goodness. But then there's also an, an existential or experiential aspect of goodness. Existential goodness is concerned with a goodness as in quality of life. Um, often people will say, how are you doing? And you say, I'm good, right? So there's a number of different aspects of, of goodness. <clears throat> In our passage today, Jesus is approached by a man we've come to call the rich young ruler. Now, in, in Mark's gospel, in our passage, he just, we just know he's rich. Uh, in Matthew, he tells us he's rich and young. Uh, and then Luke lets us also know that he is a ruler. Um, and so what we see in him back then is something that we see in humanity today. You know, we like to think that we're morally good, at least well, pretty good compared to the next guy. And we also assume that an existentially good life is, is within our grasp. It's just maybe a little out of reach. It's just maybe one piece of the puzzle that we need to get in order to experience goodness of life. But what Jesus does in the passage we're about ready to read is he challenges this rich young ruler's assumptions about goodness. And as we read and study together, may he challenge us as well. We're looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, 
follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story, inscripturated and kept for us, so that we can can um, track through your words to this man and to your disciples, that we may see... Um, why you really are good, and how you make us good. Pray that you would fill us with your spirit so we can know and love you as this passage calls us to do. We pray, amen. Some of you know my brother John, my older brother John. He's one year ahead of me in school when we were growing up. Uh, I got all the good looks. He got the brains. (laughs) He is such a smart guy. Um, okay, maybe I didn't get the look. Somebody, come on now. Uh, he is so smart. Like, they had to invent classes for him to take in high school. When he was in 10th grade, he, he was in, uh, a, you know, 12th grade math. When he was in 12th grade, he was doing his own math, and they had to come up with his own classes for him. There was really no equal to him at Parkway West High School in St. Louis, Missouri. He even scored, he only, he only missed one question on the SAT. I don't know what it was, but he missed it. My brother John had an understanding of what smartness was, but then it was radically readjusted when he got accepted to Princeton University. And he shows up at Princeton, and he he called me a few months after he landed there. He said, you know what, Mark? I was pretty smart in St. Louis, like I was above all the rest, but here, I'm just one of the crowd. In fact, not only am I not the smartest, there's like hundreds of people smarter than me. There's people that got perfect scores, on their SAT. My brother was understanding of being smart was radically readjusted when he found himself in the midst of real smartness. What we see in our passage today is we meet a man who needed a radical readjustment of his understanding of what is good. He was a man who by many standards was good. As we will see, he was very devout in his practice of the Hebrew religion. And he was wealthy, which back in Jesus' day meant that it was a sign of God's favor upon him. And he even asks a really good question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's, it's a great question. It's a question we should all ask at some point in our lives. 
And yet Jesus challenges this man, and he challenges us by asking the question, why do you call me good? As we will see, Jesus isn't questioning his own goodness. He knows that he is divinely good. No, Jesus knows something, though. He knows how messed up we are as human beings when it concerns um, what we consider good. We downplay moral goodness, and then we pursue anything but an experientially good life that God would have us lead. And so as you'll see, Jesus knows that, he knows that unless he challenges this man's assumptions about what is good and what constitutes a good life, this man will miss out on the goodness that Jesus alone can give him. Jesus once said that, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus knows that we're far too easily satisfied with the breadcrumbs of goodness, even to go looking for the whole loaf. And so he offers this man a challenge. What Jesus wanted this rich young ruler to see was that, is that, is that trusting in Christ is the only way we ex- become good and experience good. When you trust in Christ, God's goodness becomes your goodness. That's what we're going to see this morning, and we're going to see it in three areas. We're going to look at the elusiveness of goodness, we're going to look at the gift of goodness, and then we will wrap up with the life of goodness. So first, the elusiveness of goodness. You know, this rich young ruler began thinking 